Welcome to Out and About, a forum about transgender issues in the news. I'm Melissa Lukes. A new living option at Kent State University is helping LGBTQA students feel more comfortable. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and asexual students now have a place of their own. Set to open on one floor of a newly renovated residence hall, University Residence Services established a living learning community on campus. Sophomore Ali Swasi said staying at the renovated dorm has provided her with her a better experience of living on campus. I used to almost never leave my room because I didn't want to make other people feel uncomfortable and they made me feel uncomfortable. I wanted to hang out with my friends and people I could relate to and hang out with them all the time, said Swasi. There are 12 other living learning communities on Kent State's campus. That's where students can choose to live in dorms based on their majors or other common interests. But a LGBT option marks a first. It's a way to make sure students who can sometimes feel marginalized feel more comfortable on campus, said Lauren Vachon, assistant professor for LGBT studies. Vachon said Kent State joins just a handful of other schools who have similar programs. Other students, like Colleen Cowell, thinks it's a step in the right direction. 23 students make up the LGBT community that occupies one floor of this dorm. Rashan also supports the university's decision to do this. I think it says the university is committed to diversity and inclusion, said Vashan. Students in the LGBTQA living learning community will get to take a special course each semester in the LGBTQ studies program that is set aside for them as a distinct learning community. Students will also have a chance to interact with a range of LBTQ studies faculty members in small group lectures, discussions, and other activities. Due to heightened interest in transgender studies, Susan Stryker, an associate professor of gender and women's studies at the University of Arizona, has been asked about the significance of her, quote, new field of study that she's been doing for about 25 years. It's not as new as some people think, she says. The question for me is, why is it suddenly something people are paying attention to in new ways, rather than it being something brand new? There is a strong connection between the theoretical and research-oriented interest in transgender phenomena. She'll now be presenting at the University of Arizona's Trans Studies Conference, which builds itself as the first event to focus on transgender studies independent of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender issues more broadly. It is hosted by the University of Arizona Institute for LGBT Studies. At the conference, scholars will be presenting research on topics such as the medical science of transgender individuals and art history in the transgender community, says Eric Plemons, an assistant professor of anthropology and a member of the university's Transgender Studies Initiative. For many scholars, this is not the first time they are presenting research about transgender studies, Plemons says. Jean Vaccaro, a postdoctoral fellow in gender studies at Indiana University at Bloomington, is presenting pictures of transgender individuals from the 1930s to the 1970s to show how they were objectified by mainstream photographers. She's appeared at many other conferences, but this time, Ms. Vaccaro says, being among a group of her peers allows, to go, allows her to go deeper into her research and avoid having to explain the basics of the field. You may have to do a lot of trans 101 and not be able to do a lot of the deeper, richer histories and present them in a way you want to at other conferences, Ms. Vaccaro says. 
It's really amazing institutionally to gather a group of scholars like this together. Her area of research, visual and art history, hasn't been as prominent as other parts of the transgender studies discipline, she says. There's increased attention, though. For example, MTV approached Ms. Vaccaro and her colleagues when the cable channel was interested in covering the Transgender Day of Remembrance, which memorializes people killed as a result of transphobia. The stakes are really high. While other scholars may not get similar opportunities to present their research so visibly, Ms. Vaccaro says it's also a tough spot to be in, as she has to wonder if certain types of visibility are good for transgender issues or for understanding. Ms. Stryker has a similar concern. As a historian, she says she's more interested in how and why people are paying closer attention to transgender studies, even though it's often referred to as an emerging field. For example, she says federal anti-discrimination policy under the Obama administration uses the term sex to define whether someone is a man or woman. Thanks partly to the rise of transgender studies, more people now understand the word sex as encompassing gender and gender identity, even though there is a difference between the two. Historians like Ms. Stryker are now studying the unattended consequences of the policy's language for the transgender community, with hopes of settling or setting up the tone for future legislation, she says. There's a way about thinking about transgender right now that is not often historically grounded, that is being productive and influential. It's almost like a whole new transgender field is being created, says Ms. Stryker. For Claudia Sofia Griga Lopez, a doctoral candidate in American Studies at New York University, the influence her research may have on future policymaking is a new reality that scholars in the field must face. Ms. Garriga Lopez is studying transgender feminism in Ecuador and how identifying as a transgender person is now becoming a political identity around the world. We have to be careful, very deliberate, and very precise in our word, Ms. Garriga Lopez says. It has to be very real policy, and it will have implications later. Students have an appetite for this emerging field that can quickly be taken from the classroom to a piece of legislation or to a petition, Ms. Vaccaro says. Typically, transgender studies will be covered from one day to just a week course in an LGBT studies or gender class. As Ms. Vaccaro says, that doesn't suffice anymore. Students are extremely hungry and excited for trans studies. And our final story for today, the federal government just accomplished a decades-long goal of LGBT advocacy with a single policy letter. Since 1974, progressives have sought to broaden federal civil rights laws ban on sex discrimination to encompass discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and what we today call gender identity. One key area where LGBTQ people need protection is credit, bank loans, mortgages, brokerage services, and the like. Now the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, a federal agency, has declared that the Equal Credit Opportunity Act sex discrimination ban does encompass sexual orientation and gender identity. This guidance effectively prohibits creditors like banks, retailers, credit card companies, finance companies, and credit unions from engaging in anti-LGBTQ discrimination. The CFPB announced its new guidance in response to an inquiry from an advocacy group called SAGE. That stands for Services and Advocacy for LGBTQ Elders. Older LGBTQ people are more likely to live in poverty than others, 
due to a lifetime of discrimination. This discrimination can extend through retirement when creditors may hesitate to provide financial assistance out of ignorance. SAGE already worked closely with the Department of Housing and Urban Development to help that agency clarify its equal access rule and how that protected people from discrimination in HUD-financed housing. In June, it asked the CFPB whether it views credit discrimination on the basis of gender identity and sexual orientation as forms of sex discrimination that are prohibited under the ECOA, and this resulted in this response. And our final story for today involves credit and LGBT individuals. The federal government just accomplished a decades-long goal of LGBTQ advocacy with just a single policy letter. Since 1974, progressives have sought to broaden civil rights law's ban on sex discrimination to encompass discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and what we today call gender identity. One key area where LGBTQ people need protection is credit, bank loans, mortgages, brokerage services, and the like. Now the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, CFPB, A federal agency has declared that the Equal Opportunity Credit Act sex discrimination ban does in fact encompass sexual orientation and gender identity. This guidance effectively prohibits creditors like banks, retailers, credit card companies, finance companies, and credit unions from engaging in anti-LGBTQ discrimination. The CFPB announced its new guidance in response to an inquiry from an advocacy group called SAGE, which stands for Services and Advocacy for LGBTQ Elders. Older LGBTQ people are more likely to live in poverty than others due to a lifetime of discrimination. This discrimination can extend through retirement when creditors may hesitate to provide financial assistance out of ignorance. SAGE already worked closely with HUD to help that agency clarify its equal access rule and protecting LGBTQ people from discrimination in HUD-financed housing. In June, it asked the CFPB whether it views credit discrimination on the basis of gender identity and sexual orientation as forms of sex discrimination prohibited under the ECOA. That resulted in the issuance of this rule. Over the last several decades, courts and agencies have expanded the scope of sex discrimination bans to encompass both anti-trans and anti-gay discrimination. The Supreme Court itself seemingly affirmed this expansive interpretation of sex discrimination way back in a 1989 decision holding that sex stereotyping, bias against gender nonconformity, does constitute discrimination on the basis of sex. From that decision, courts have intuited that discrimination against LGBTQ people is in fact sex discrimination. In response to these legal developments, the CFPB informed SAGE that it does indeed read the ECOA to outlaw credit discrimination on the basis of gender identity and sexual orientation. The CFPB encouraged SAGE, and anyone else, to report any situations which creditors treat applicants less favorably because they are LGBTQ. Forbidding anti-LGBTQ credit discrimination, the agency concluded, is important and relevant to ensuring fair, equitable, and non-discriminatory access to credit for both individuals and communities. Some positive news about transgender and LGBTQ issues. Nice to, nice to be able to tell you that. 
Well, that's all we have time for today. I'll be back soon with more news about transgender issues. If you'd like to contact me or have some news items you'd like for me to discuss on Out and About, feel free to email me at wnhhmelissa at yahoo.com. Once again, my email address is all one word, wnhhmelissa at yahoo.com. This is Melissa Lukes. Thanks for listening. I'll talk with you again soon.